You're listening to the Coast Watch Podcast, proudly brought to you by Rockstar Tackle, quality fishing tackle at affordable prices, and tonic polarised eyewear. See what you're missing. Here's your host, Dave Granville, and remember, don't destroy what you came to enjoy. Well, g'day everyone, and welcome to another Coast Watch Podcast. Now, today I'm lucky enough to have Dean Butler with me. Good to see you, Dino. Mate, good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it has. So you're up in Queensland? A little holiday in Queensland. A little holiday in Queensland. Well, it's nice to have you here, mate. So um, for those at home that may or may not know Dean Butler, um, I suppose at the end of the day, where do you think your claim to fame is, mate? Is it fishing journalism? Is Uh, that where most people would know you from or...? I, I think, yeah, fishing journalism, I guess. I haven't, I've, it's honestly. If they're as old as me, anyway. How maybe, old are you? Well, I'm nearly 50. Yeah, that's old, eh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've never, I guess in the last 20 years, it's been marlin fishing marlin and, fishing, and yeah. reporting on that and photographing it. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I don't do that anymore, but yeah, so yeah, fishing journalism, I guess. So, Trying to think back. I've had a few different hats over the years. Yeah, of course, as we all have (laughs) when we're as old as us. Um, But basically, I'm trying to think back how far I need to go. But Fishing World, were you? Fishing World, I first started writing as a young, young, keen fisherman for Fishing World magazine. magazine, So that would have been your first publication. For sure, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I thought. I was trying to think back because obviously when I was a kid, I was reading them all, modern fishing and Fishing World and whatever. And and then probably my first memories, if it wasn't Fishing World um, and reading your articles in there, it would have been when you first started doing some stuff on film. Yeah, yeah. With Harrow? Uh, I was lucky, you know. I It's all about where you are and who you know, I guess. But I was lucky enough to meet Rod Harrison at Lord Howe Island, in the, who, was a, who was a big-time writer for Fishing World back in the 80s uh, when, it was, when it was really everything was... You know, sport fishing was new. Yeah. And Ron Kelkart, uh, who's uh, passed away, unfortunately, quite a few years ago now, he was right at the forefront of uh, generating interest in sport fishing through not only his magazine, Fishing World, he was a surfer, and surf magazines still are a thing, probably more of a thing than fishing magazines are nowadays. Yeah. But uh, so Kelkart, way back then, was bringing sport fishing techniques and and just the idea of fishing for fun rather than food gotcha. back there in the eighties and 80s, yeah. but he also had a TV show uh, with the ABC uh, called I think it was called Fishing World I may be wrong there but uh, he did a series and I'm sure it's probably on YouTube but okay. that's fishing television back in nineteen. 19- 85, that, yeah. thereabouts, right. early 80s, long time ago. That was kind of the, the pinnacle. It must have been the start of it, really, for us in Australia. Yeah. So, And there was a gentleman, and I won't, this is ancient history, I haven't given much thought to for a long time, but yeah. Ozzy Emery was another name that came out of there. He was a very well-regarded, uh, I think he made commercials for television. He shot stuff in film. He teamed up with the Kelcut and they shot some, they shot that television series that... Uh, for the ABC, I believe, and uh, there's some good stuff on that 
to this day, I remember some of the f- iconic photographs that came out of there, that mm-hmm. the old black and whites of, you know, 80 kilo elephants off the rocks yeah. And, yeah. and big elephants off out of little boats and yeah. all that sort of stuff, you know, yeah. stuff that just doesn't happen these no, days. No, that scene has set, certainly changed mm. a lot, hasn't it? So. And uh, so my first film video thing, I met Harrison in Lord Howe in the late 80s and because he had a business uh, with Ron Kelcutt, who is a, I hope it, people know who Ron Kelcutt is, or if not, look him up. He's one of the true pioneers. Pioneers, definitely, yeah. Um, I did a f- fishing film with him yeah. and Ozzy Emery, who was a legend, uh, at Lord Howell. Yeah, Lord and, um, yeah, so did that and then got to know Rod, realised that what I wanted to do was fish, yeah. be in fishing somehow or another. And Couldn't try and af- make a living out of it. Try and make a living out of it. Couldn't yeah. afford to go fishing all the time, which I knew, and didn't necessarily want to own a boat and lock myself into wherever I can get that boat. I right wanted to travel. Yeah. So uh, I got involved with Rod Harrison and John Hankey, who yeah. you've had in this Yeah, room yeah, here. John was one of Recently. our more recent uh, interviews, yeah. which was great. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, basically we did. We shot some films, and then I got into travel from there, and thought, you know, people are reading about this now. They're seeing it on film or on video. They want to go and do it themselves. Maybe they want to go and do it. And I was, mm-hmm. yeah, and and uh, I just loved the idea of uh, not being in the mainstream society. I guess you know, I spent months and months and months in the jungle in New Guinea, setting up New fishing Guinea. camps yeah. and. That's that's where uh, where I got my love for uh, fishing, fishing remote and uh, untouched. Like I'm not very good at fishing, <laughs> so I need really dumb fish. And the further you get away from the people, the better the fishing is. Yeah. And and to this day, that's what I like to do. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I don't think you're on your own there, Dino. No. I, mean, I think it's everyone's, um, you know, passion or or goal to to strive to fish remote locations and. Mm. I know, you know, that's one thing that's always driven me as well to try and access locations. And, in fact, um, you know, it was a video that you and Dean, um, you and, sorry, Harrow did, um, Drysdale, a remote river, which John Hankey actually shot. And when I was a teenager, like, I literally, you know, wore the tape out on that. Yeah, I don't remember you saying that. And, um, you know, I just begged and begged my dad, Till he gave up and took me to the Drysdale because yeah. I just wanted to stand on, on on those same rocks at the Barra Patches as I'd seen Dino and Harrow and yep. thinking I need to be there and I got there and you know it was the trip of a lifetime and I must have only been seventeen or something then but I remember it you know like it was yesterday oh, the same side yeah. and um and then. I think after that, I, I said to my dad, "Oh, we got to go to PNG now." I obviously watched some of your videos from yeah. PNG as well. And did you ever get there? I did, but years later. Years later, so I think I remember you were running, you know, Dean Butler Sport Fishing Tours or whatever. Yep. And I think I rang you up and said, "Hey, Dino, I want to go to Papua New Guinea." And um, at the time, there was some a bit of unrest or something wasn't ideal. And you actually said to me. Dave, I'd love to take your money, but um, we we we're not going in there at the moment. It's not mm, safe. No. And uh, and as you say, and then it wasn't probably 
20 years later before I eventually mm. got to go and catch a black bass. But Oh, well, at least you did. Yeah, yeah. At least and, you did. Uh, and it's a, a pretty pretty awesome. Were they, were they worth the wait? Were they everything they were cracked up to be? Yeah, there's no doubt about mm. it. Um, for those, you know, at home, Papua New Guinea black bass, they're a, a, a Lejanidae like a mangrove jack, but they just grow a lot bigger. Yep. And they have to be... Pound for pound, one of the toughest fish that swim, don't they? Do I they? think I think on the bite, there's nothing bites as good yeah. when you get a classic Lejanid going away back into the cover bite. There's nothing that bites yeah. hits as hard yeah. with so much slow down grunt as a as a yeah. a black bass black in the bass. snare. I mean, you know, like a, oh, I, yeah. I caught them up to about eighty centimeters, yeah. which are probably thirty odd pounders, and you know, the tails on them are massive. You mm. know, they just yeah, got no, so they're much they're power. just you know, and destroy tackle. Oh my God! Well, yeah, they do. We uh, we used to catch some big jacks in the in the in the systems. Some of the you know, I fished a lot of rivers in Papua New Guinea, yeah, and yeah. more than anyone I would think. But I I got as you do, you get to know the fishing rods you're using, and you can tell when someone loads up on a fish and how hard it's pulling, how much drag they're taking. You just have a pretty good idea how big that fish is. At a split second, that's just experience telling you things. And I'd, uh, I'd, I'd see a rod and a reel and an angler behaving the way they might when they are pulling on a ten pound bass and say it's only small. And then as I was leaning over to take the fish and get a picture before putting it back, expecting to see a ten pound bass, there's a twenty pound mangrove jack, right, you know, and right, right. off a snag. And right. even though both they pull yeah, so different. much lot, they're yeah. so much harder puller than a jack yeah. pound for pound. And it's, there's probably plenty of people um, watching or listening here that have caught mangrove jacks and know how hard they pull. They pull good, and their bites just the same, but they just don't have yeah. that grunt. So if you if you if you've caught mangrove jack and you haven't caught a black bass, then uh, yeah, yeah, go and do it. If you like, if you like it, if you like it, Dead if stretch. it's all about the bite. It's the best bite, yeah, no yeah, question about yeah. it, and and havoc that uh, comes straight after it for the, just just enough to keep your heart beating, I guess, yeah. and not blow it up. Yeah, because yeah. once you get them turned, you're pretty well gone. Got them, you know? Yeah, yeah. If you can yeah. get them out of those those sticks. Yeah. So from there, um, I mean, we started working together on uh, on Blue Water magazine. You were writing yep. a bit for Blue Water and. Um, what else? What else? Were you? And then you started um, working with Tom Evans, was it? Yeah. I, gosh, I, I, well, I should write all this down one yeah. day. I, actually, I'll just keep well, this. Well, that's, that's why you're here, mate. We're, we're, we're cataloging your yeah, life. Yeah, my God, because <laughs> I, I don't chronologically. I, I have know, the trouble doing yeah. it, but yeah, basically, it was. I was a fair way along in my fishing career when I started working for Blue Water. Yeah. Um. I had a column, I think. Yeah, you did. You uh, did. I remember, I think Sinkers yeah. used to say, you know, why don't you write some articles? And he bugged me for a while yeah. and and I ended up saying, give me a column. I can do a column. I just yeah. I just don't want to do... Full-on features. Features that, that yeah. have been done before. Yeah, or, sure. But, uh, yeah, so that when was that? Um, so 2000 and... Uh, early 2000s, yeah, yeah, like, so, yeah early 2000s. Yeah. So I spent close to 20 years fishing Australia and the South Pacific 
prior to that. That's right, Vanuatu. We spent some time uh, in Vanuatu. Vanuatu. I think we met in Vanuatu before. No, I don't know where we met, but That's we right. fished together fished in Vanuatu. Together in you Vanuatu did some work with, there. With Tom, yeah. And my first year in Vanuatu was 98. So I fished there for 10 years. Yep. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, fishing and working with operators in Fiji. I did the Solomons, obviously my stuff in New Guinea. So I had a, I had a, my circuit was the Coral Sea Sim- rim Sim- from, mm. from, uh, well, I hadn't started fishing Port Stephens till the late 90s, but from Port Stephens up the east coast to Cairns, uh, I used to do quite a little bit of stuff and I didn't do full seasons in Cairns, but I'd, I'd take clients who had special interests like fly fishing or light okay. tackle. Yeah. And then I had my New Guinea stuff and I had, I had, uh, I did, did explorations into the Solomons and I, I fished most of Vanuatu over that 10 year period. Uh, I ultimately ended up fishing in New Guinea, uh, sorry, New Zealand. Yeah, so I got to know that area, which is quite, I think about that often and it's probably a subject that you could spend a lot of time on, but, uh, as you get to know a fishing area, it gets smaller, you know? Yeah. And, um, I'm off track here a little bit, but what, what, after all of my years fishing around, that Coral Sea rim from Bermagui to New Zealand and gotcha. all fishing places in, that's become my area and it's got quite small. And when I think about, uh, seasons and fisheries and how f- I've watched fishing, uh, seasons, uh, good ones, bad ones and, and ones go away, it's a fairly, uh, small area to me to think about that that overall um, gotcha. country that we're talking about, but yeah, uh, yeah, I've yeah. gone off subject there no, a no, little no, bit. No, but um, and the only other thing I'll say on that, just thinking thinking back, is those early days, the Drysdale, the Papua New Guinea stuff. Just looking at maps and saying, I want to go here, I want to go there. Yeah. I wonder what it's like. There's no Google, there's no yeah. internet, but there's no one to ask because no one's been anyway, even yeah. if you could get them. Yeah. Uh, that's what I basically got addicted to. For sure. And unfortunately, it's pretty hard now nowadays to, to find somewhere that hasn't been touched. It's hard, yeah, really, it really hard. So, you know, um, you talk about good old days yeah. and... Um, that's a bit of a shame, but that's just how yeah. life is and and how the world is nowadays. But because um, when you rocked up in PNG, like nothing, you ma- yeah, like you literally would have been driving a boat down a river and seeing people that have probably never oh, seen them all the time, yeah. all the time. And and how were you received? You know, at the start, it was always good. Yeah, uh, they were mostly they were scared. Yeah, especially the kids. And you know, I met sixteen year old. Kids had never seen a white face, yeah. but um, and they were they were untouched. They were like the jungles and the and the river systems. They lived off and lived around and lived in. Yeah. Uh, they were totally untouched and they were totally unspoiled. Mm. And I know that just by me having a fishing camp in a location for four or five months, with all sorts of people coming in, clients from different parts of Australia with different jobs and all of that. We changed the people just by doing that. Yeah, right. You know, when, when a Malaysian logging company free fell their jungle, that changes them too and it, yeah. and it made it different. But yeah, so we, it was unbelievable. I, I can't even begin to tell you what it was like, but, uh, 
you know, and just trying to work out when to go. You know, I couldn't, you can't do anything on the internet. I used to have to go to libraries. I used to ring universities to get rainfall figures gotcha. and, and, and met officers and, yeah. you know, when does it rain on the south coast of the new, of, uh, the mainland of Papua New Guinea, when does it rain on the north coast? All of that stuff was done with a telephone and or making a point to go yeah. and talk down yeah. and then write it and collate it. And yeah. I guess there'd be no point turning up there if your client's in the middle of a monsoon. No, right? yeah. yeah. So anyway, all of that, uh, all of that stuff, I love easy and easy is good, but it, that's what we did to try and yeah. find someone. It was never easy. Never easy. It's still not easy, but yeah. it's it's... It's harder to find somewhere that's untouched nowadays. That's the biggest problem. Yeah. But uh, so all of that stuff I've talked about, pretty much that I sort of started leaning towards game fishing yeah. and primarily uh, marlin fishing fish, yeah. uh, and as a way to make a living. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just love marlin fishing and uh, I've got good mates to this day that I've known for over 35 years that are at the top of their their chosen as captains and captains, that, captains around the world. Yeah. But um, I soon worked out that for me to sort of find my own little niche with, and I don't, I'm not much of a conformist. I don't like regulations or anything like that. I like to zip in and zip out with keeping everyone happy all the time when I can. But yeah. I just saw a, uh, a niche for fly fishing for marlin. Yeah. I had an interest for doing that. Yeah. And um, working with Sparrow, old Craig Denham, yeah. who I've known since he was 18 yeah. uh, and fished with him since then. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we did a lot of fly fishing and worked out how to do that, and that pretty much took me through the first two decades of uh, the 21st century. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's where I ended up. So my journalistic stuff sort of went away. I did some photography, but it was primarily taking people marlin fishing with, with, uh, to catch them on fly. Yeah, and world records. Well, yeah, well, the world records quickly followed because all of a sudden we got pretty good at it. Yeah. And no one had really, we, we actually had some great fisheries too, but we just got good at it and uh, worked out how to catch them. Yeah. So, yeah, we caught a lot of, me and Sparrow would have caught 20-odd records for yeah. our clients. And yeah. I, I continued on after me and uh, Craig stopped fishing together uh, to do different things. And, you know, I think I've 42 records with uh, that I've been involved in with yeah. with various captains and places over the years. Yeah, yeah. So where, if if you did have to go and catch a world record, billfish on fly tomorrow, where would you go? Um, Depends on the species, I suppose. Tough, tough question. I'd go where they're snapping. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But um, no, yeah. I, it's it. That's like, is Australia still the place? Or uh, well, certainly, without sounding like a smartass, a lot of the records are too hard. You know, gotcha. you know, like we we'd break, we'd have a client on the boat catch a black marlin world record on fly. And then the next client would come in and break that record. You know, we were breaking our own records Record time and time again, and to the point where, um, for various reasons, they just got too hard. It's hard. So, but to answer your question, there's still some good black marlin records to be caught in Australia. Uh, certainly, female. If there was a female out there that wanted to 
pursue records, she could get her name in the book yeah. for sure because you can get the shots in, in, you can get them in cans, you can probably get them off here, yeah. you can certainly get them off Exmouth yeah. on, the, on the west, yeah. which needs its own. Exmouth's a pretty unique fishery. I yeah. think you've been there, I haven't have, you? Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so black marlin, the thing with marlin fly fishing personally, it's a stupid way to try and catch a marlin. It's uh, a hard way. It's a hard way to catch them. And, and I think uh, 80, 100 pound black marlin's a great target on a fly rod. And I think yeah. 150 pound striped marlin is. But trying to catch either of those two species larger than that, than that and most blue marlin we have swimming around Australia, it, it's not the tackle to catch. Yeah. You can get them on, yeah. hard to catch. Well, and the difference is too, of course, with world record fishing, there's two things that not everyone may be aware of is obviously you've got to take the fish to get the water. You've got to kill you've got the to fish. Kill it. Yeah. And secondly, regulation IGFA fly tackle, you have to use stick gaps. You can't yeah, use fly well that, gaps. Yeah. So, of course, any fish over 150 pounds, you're going to put a stick gaff into it as opposed yeah. to a flying gaff. Well, you've got, a, you got, some, you got a bit on, haven't you? You've got a bit on. And that, that is, that's where, why, if you look at the records, uh, there's nothing over 300 pounds yeah. because... Yeah. You can you can put your boat right next to a marlin on a fly, pretty quick. Yeah. But then you have got to deal with it right there and then. Yeah. Or you do what is the common practice now is you get rid of the thing as soon as you can and just say you caught it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's not a subject I. <laughs> we won't get that controversial here. But look, I, I hear you, mate, and and there is a big difference between. Uh, catching and releasing a, a billfish and, oh, sure. and, and putting it in the boat and to each their own, like not everyone yes. wants to kill them and, yeah. and that. But um, I, I do take my hat off to anyone that's got the balls to stand there with a with a stick gaff in their hand and put it into a, a, a lively marlin beside yep. the boat um, that, yeah, may have only been on the line for a matter of minutes Um or even hours for that Duff. point. When he's, when you pull it on 20 pound, like it doesn't really matter, no, does it? So. No, I've seen really bad things happen after, after a long hours. time. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a, I actually had the fish on myself, a blue marlin in Vanuatu for four and a half hours. Right. And uh, a guy who I have a lot of respect for as a fisherman and a guy with big balls to do the job you're talking. Yeah. Uh, Eric Fester. Yeah. Captain Eric. Yeah. He gaffed this fish I had on after four and a half hours and it pulled him out of the water, out of the boat, oh, like he was a feather. A toothpick. Toothpick. Yeah, gone. Gone, just gone. And uh, uh, we got him back in and got him and I fought that fish for another two and a half hours before oh, yeah. I popped it off because it was, you know, oh. I was delirious and that's seven, that's a whole day oh, yeah, not, that's, that's, not to catch something. That's, that's hard work, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it's so... You know, it, it's not it's not a craze. It's going to take off. I don't think. <laughs> no, uh, it's not for everyone. No, and I just I just got, you know, I was good at it. Uh, I got really good at teasing the fish, and yeah. I learned a lot about marlin and yeah. how they behave before you get them on, which yeah. I think has helped me in other types definitely, of marlin definitely. fishing. And yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I no, can't I, wait. I, can't wait to see the next one. Exactly. We're, we're so I, I know for sure, like, you know, I spent quite a lot of times sitting on a flybridge, you know, with you on the deck, both in Vanuatu, Birmingham. Yeah, we did. Like that. And I learnt so much about fish behaviour 
um, watching you guys do what you do on the deck, teasing yeah. billfish for yeah. fly fishing. And what that enabled me to do is bring those techniques back and transfer them into conventional fishing. 100%. So I'm not a fly fisherman, but I tease a billfish exactly the way I learned from yeah. you. Yeah, you know? and you're smart. Yeah. Because I don't know too many forms of fishing like that fly fishing tease that is as intricate as that particular how much science we well not science but how 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 much stuff we did to get the right bite yeah. we were all of our stuff was revolved around finding the fish raising the fish well actually i had nothing to do with finding yeah, the well, fish of but the, the, you got to find him before you yeah, get him up get it can tease him yeah but uh yeah there's not many forms of fishing where you have to go through such a fire drill to get a bite yeah and yeah. the, the thing is, what I the way I always looked at it was, if you can get that fish to eat a fly, which let's face it, it know, doesn't look anything. It doesn't like look food. anything like food. No. Why don't just do the, all the same procedure yeah. and then put a slimy mackerel back in front of them? It's a no-brainer. Mate, I, I'm flabbergasted at how many times I've shown people or been had people around me that have seen all of that happen. And they still want to go and, put and they still go their, put hooks in their lures. It blows me away. So I always appreciated how you worked out. Shit, this is a yeah. This is a way no, of catching. I'm, I'm happy to say I'm, I'm a disciple of, of, of your church, mate, because yeah. um, I, I I've never really looked at bill fishing the same way. In fact, it's been many many years since I've put four lures out with hooks in them mm. because mm. I know that if I use the techniques that I learnt from you, that I will catch that fish. Mm. You know, not all of them. No, of you'll course, catch over. You know, but the conversion rate. The conversion, the conversion rate. rate. I'm talking about raised fish to fish. Yeah. You know, caught, release, tag, yeah. whatever you want to call it. No, there's them. no no yeah. question about it. And yeah. I'm long long gone are the days where I'll try and convince anyone of that yeah, I don't care yeah, but yeah. I and know don't, and don't get me wrong like, I, you know, I like Tony I've yeah, got, you want to see my lure collection yeah and I'm the same I've got plenty of hooks and plenty of lures and you know you look at the guys in Hawaii and the way they fish and, and it's a pretty cool way to fish and, and you know you get those you know nice big Hawaiian lures and you see them working properly and you can see why they get eaten like, mm. and then there is that you know cleanliness to it i suppose i mean they don't have to get their hands dirty rig and bait <laughs> well truth be known blue in fact i was lucky enough to we were oh, same deal was doing some fly fishing in kona with jason holtz on yeah. the uh on the old pursuit not okay. the new one yeah we had some guys trying to catch spearfish on a fly which are, that's another stupid thing to try and catch on a fly but <laughs> yeah. hard to hook those little guys yeah. but um we, because uh, we were set up for it, and beauty, beauty of Kona is you can. It's nothing to do. Let's go for a fish, you know. Yeah, like yeah. you pull out of the, you don't even have to run the engines yeah. over a thousand RPM. Yeah. But anyway, we went out and we switched one about four fifty five. Got four or five bites out, and it's all about the bites. And boys love seeing those bites, but yeah. they don't see their rigger bites that good, you know. Yeah. But uh, we got four bites out of this fish, just teasing it back to the boat, and it's like a big day when you get four bites. We got four out of one and quarter, <laughs> yeah, and quarter on a lure, yeah. switched it back a lure, which yeah. is probably the best way to catch a blue marlin anyway. Yeah, yeah, especially if you can catch them on one thirty as opposed oh. to uh, a, a you know 
20 pound tip of that. Oh, 20, and all the marlin we're catching, that's our that's leader. A, that's your shock tip. Hard to get a decent back wrap in that. Yeah. Um, but one thing I can say as a photographer is oh. they do like to jump when you catch them on the fly and, uh, like, yeah, and, and right there. close to the boat. Yeah, yeah no, bloody no, some, you've got of, some, of, some of my best photos, again, probably of with you guys, you know, getting them on on fly, even if we didn't catch them, I mm. often got the shot before we lo- before we lost it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely got some of the best teaser shots. I've like striped mullen stuff, and, yeah. and I still remember that you've got. I think it's your. I'm sure it's your photo of a blue marlin. A series of shots yeah. of a blue marlin coming up on a Bakula Lumo sprocket. Sprocket that was in Bermagui, and I was in the tower. Black. Black, black, yeah. like those sunglasses. Because yeah. I think um, Biggs was driving, and and there was all. I think the boat was already out of gear, or he had come back to really slow idle, so the wake was clean. Yeah, and um, yeah. and I was in the tower looking down, and yeah, look, you can see, you can yeah see it's everything thing, on yeah. the fishes, and it was a sequence shot as it comes up, and yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, but um, we should do more of that. Oh my. <laughs> Yeah, too much work, not enough play, but um, yes. So, um, I don't know, mate, what else now? Barras. Yeah, well, you know, as as I've got so bloody old um, and like my client, a lot of my clients got really old too, you know, so I've still I've still got a three or four people that I fish with where and whenever. Yeah. Uh, old Tom Evans, who yeah. I ended up, we did nearly – I think we fished 17 years together, wow. but um, I still try and get a year, uh, get a month a year with him in Florida, tarpon fishing um, with the fly rod. He's still yeah. into record fishing, so yeah. COVID and other stuff has messed that up recently and and um, certainly made me aware that not so much for young people, but as you get older and then the last couple of years just sort of went away. It was taken away with, from us yeah. with COVID. And yeah, that, for sure. You know, you're an 80-year-old man that wants to fish a month a year and, it, you know, like you might only have four or five trips. He'd lost three of them. Wow. Yeah, <clears throat> when you put it that way. So sure. it's scary, you know. Yeah. So um, I, I, I only fish with people I want to and, and when I'm not fishing with clients, I'm... Uh, I'm fishing with mates, and yeah. uh, that's uh, that interest for me now is Barramundi, yeah. remote locations, and fly fishing on the flats. You know, so yeah. I really enjoy uh, permit uh, blue bastards and what's the other one we chase? That big green bastard thing. What are they called? Tuskfish. Tuskies. <laughs> Tuskies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My my objective is to get good at doing that. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, and again, uh, it's all about the challenge, isn't it? It's all about the challenge, yeah. but yeah, I just want to get as good at that as I can. And I know the only way to do that is to find dumb ones, yeah. which means I've got to get away from yeah, from the crowds. Crowds, yeah. And uh, yeah, and have some always have some fresh barramundis to yeah, eat. Nice, and I'll be and happy. A few few mud crabs so um you've got uh you got a nice little boat for doing that now yeah i've well i've got a i've had for five or six years now a, a little five meter Beastmaster, yeah. um built by robbie ferguson up yeah. in harvey bay just yeah. up the road yeah. there and it's set up for those things we just talked about gotcha. barramundi and flats fishing, flats fishing pushing it around with a pole and getting in and, and using stealth to trick these smart fish yeah 
Um, and my buddy up there at Weeper, Phyllis Kirk, he's got he's got a five metre boat, a tinny, an old Cairns Custom Craft, which is a bit of a freak. It's a great boat okay. to this day. It's twenty something years old, and it's a beauty. Yeah. So we have two of those, and and just with. With mates, uh, we we uh, he and I bought a forty-two foot old shit box. Nice, used as a mothership. And we've done it up to be simple and and easy to run. I can run it by myself, and I have. I've taken it away for a week and towed my boat behind it. Yeah, yeah just set it up further than a day tripper can get from some of these sure. spots we want to be in the Gulf, and yeah, have mates come in and. Just go fishing. Nice, nice. And it, it's this will be, yeah, COVID again and a few other things slowed us down. But we had a great season last year and caught a lot of fish and we're going to do the same this year. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Oh, well, I'm... Uh... Hopefully, mate. If uh, if I can, if work lets me get mate, up there, I'm I'm, I'm there. Yeah, it, it's not a long list of no. people that are welcome, but you're, you're, you're on it. That's well, for I sure. I appreciate that a lot, mate. I really do. And uh, you know, it has been too long since we've had a fish. But how? Yeah, I know it has. I eh? yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look. I mean, I reckon this could be two or three hours, but we probably bored people yeah, enough. No. Yeah, but, I'm uh, sure. There's, um, you know, look, I. I you know, you know your boy's been a, a mentor of mine uh, even since those early days of reading Fishing World and watching you and Harrow. And um, I, I think you've had quite an influence on, on my career yeah, as that's well. Cool. So um, in many forms, not just writing, photography, um, you know, um, marlin fishing a lot. So um, Bourbon drinking. Bourbon drinking. You told me how to do that too. <laughs> Yeah, so, mate, um, it's been a pleasure, of course, and um, it probably means more to me to have you here than, no, than no, people mate, any at home. Time. But, um, but I think there's a lot of people also that would, would know and be a fan of, of your work and, and would be happy listening in today. Oh, that's well, cool, so. mate. And, yeah, yeah, it's good to see you doing so well, you know. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's good fun and uh, it's nice to be able to work in, in, in a field that you're passionate about. So, um Mate, on that note, um, thanks again, and um, let's go fishing. Good plan. Right, Dino. Well, there you go, everyone. Thanks very much for listening in if you've lasted this long. And um, remember, uh, we couldn't do this without the support of Rockstar Tackle and Tonic Eyewear. So uh, check those guys out, and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers.